You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin. Esther Chen is a Taiwanese-American actress and comedian. We spoke about how she got into doing stand-up comedy, worked with Jerry Seinfeld, and ended up back in Taiwan during the pandemic. Esther shared how she's had to adjust her stand-up comedy material to suit the different tastes of audiences in Taiwan, other parts of Asia, and the U.S. While in Taiwan, Esther started doing stand-up comedy more regularly and got recognized by fans. She also talked about the very Taiwanese experiences of going to see a fortune teller for advice about her career in acting and comedy, and the criticism that she and her family have received from Taiwanese discussion forums in response to her comedy. A quick note to listeners about the audio quality of this episode. There were some issues with the first eight to nine minutes of this interview. We tried our best to improve them, so please bear with us and know that the issues resolve at around the 10-minute mark. Here's our interview. Welcome to the podcast, Esther. Thank you. Here's a clip about one of Esther's stand-up comedy shows. I was coughing on the subway the other day, and someone was like, go back to your own country. I was like, oh my God, they think we're a country. <laughs> Esther and I just kept talking about how we were hearing all of these like really gross jokes in the community, not from other Asians, but just like other people, just making fun of how Asians eat food, how we live our lives, and we got mad. And that's what this show is about. So you're looking for a Chinese Chinese person that did not go home for Christmas, New Year, and Chinese New Year? I'm sorry, a real Chinese Chinese would go home for at least one. You're looking for a fake Chinese. A Chinese disowned by their family. <laughs> reported by the World Health Organization because we are not recognized by the World Health Organization. I was wondering if it was like a taboo thing, like, you know, how Black comedians can use the N-word, but other people can't. So oh, I was I just curious about that, yeah. Well, I mean, the pandemic is something that everyone suffered and everyone knew multiple people that passed and, and everyone lived through like a whole dark period of a year and a half of like you know, end of the world. So, no, I don't think this is off topics for anyone. Everyone went through it. Every single person <laughs> on this earth has the right to talk about the coronavirus. Sure, sure, yeah, it's a global, <laughs> global pandemic. There you go. So, so I guess you didn't really get any backlash for doing any of those jokes. Well, we did when we did the show last year in March. Um, the racism that came out with it and, and the jokes about the racism. The So I would say the Asian comedians that were like, hey, you know, don't use this opportunity as a racist opportunity. I think that did offend a lot of the people who weren't Asian, for sure. People did walk out of our show feeling offended. So is that, is there a question? Like, were people frustrated? Oh, absolutely. But like, right. every joke's going to offend somebody. There's no quote-unquote joke that's never going to, then like, that's just defeating the purpose of a joke. Sure, sure. So yeah. then my question is for you, is there anything that's off limits when it comes to um, telling a joke? I don't think so. <laughs> How did you get started in uh, into doing stand-up comedy? It was Thanksgiving of some year, probably six years ago. Um, I was in my duplex apartment. We found a really nice duplex. Far ends of Hell's Kitchen, and every Thanksgiving I <laughs> contemplate a little bit because it's the time where things slow down a little bit. You get to do your laundry, and I was like, <laughs> you know, I um I really worked really hard doing everything within my abilities to pursue my dreams, and I've I've done it extremely hardcore for I think by that point six seven years. Like I've done everything one could have possibly imagined. I did I did the blind mailing. I um I paid to play. I paid to meet agents. I asked friends for referrals. I did the EPA open calls when you like wake up at fucking four or five in the morning and you go to the equity building and you sit in the snow until they open at like seven or eight. And then you can't even pee there. You have to go to like 
the dirty McDonald's next door. And then you wait a whole day until 5.30 p.m. to be like, we're not seeing any non-union actors. Um, I, I mean, every actor knows of the insane ways we do to survive. And I did it all. And I think at year six and seven, I was like, I'm... I was like, I'm done. You know, I, I'm fortunate enough that my parents paid for school and I don't have debts, but like, like I, I gave it a good shot. I gave it my all and I think it's time to go home. So I made a list of things. I'm sure you heard this from the KK show as well, because every podcast I go on, they ask me this question, um, of all the things that I were going to do before I left New York. And so I, I like, uh, I like assigned my furniture to people like, oh, Angie needs a bed stand because who has a mattress stand? Everyone's just like a mattress on the floor. Um, blah, blah, blah. Could use my mattress. It had bed bugs once, but now there's two bed bugs covers over it. So she can definitely benefit from this mattress. <laughs> um, uh, this friend always wanted a bookshelf, but couldn't afford it. Um, wow. you know, I mean, <laughs> so I like assigned them all. And then I was like, okay, so then I have like this gift card from Sephora because, you know, actors were really cheap and like <laughs> whenever you buy something you like return it really fast if you don't if you don't need it so yeah let's say for this one audition i needed this one color lipstick uh-huh. but then like you know after this audition i'll never wear it again i'll just like return it i mean certainly <laughs> certainly that that wasn't what i did i think for me it was like foundation because okay because I, I, um, I was always scared I was gonna buy the wrong shade, uh-huh. and I also tan really easily. So uh-huh. one time they'll fit me as a color, and another day it's gonna look like I'm putting on blackface. Um, <laughs> right. Just depending on how, depending on how much I see the sun. So I would return it and be like, oh my gosh, this is extremely not my color because of my neck and my face is two different colors. So I would return <laughs> it. So I have this Sephora card with like a shit ton of money on it because, uh, you know. Yeah, all those weird reasons. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy something for my mom before I go home. So, you know, considering that I'm never going to be back in America again. And then it was the same time that I was browsing through my friend Brian Luna. He's Mm -hmm. this Mexican kid from Texas. He's Mm -hmm. a really brilliant actor. And I saw in his video section, I don't remember, I think I was like fixing my website. You know, I was like taking the time Mm -hmm. to fix my website because nobody wants to fix their website. And the only time you could possibly motivate yourself when you're so bored um, <laughs> over the four fucking long, dark days of winter. And I was, I was, you know, looking through my friend's website templates so I could, like, get inspired. And I saw that Brian had this picture, uh, uh, this video of him doing stand-up at Gotham. And then I was like, you know, before this point, I had only seen stand-up at Welcome Week and freshman year of college. Mm-hmm. And I remember very clearly they hired this kid with like a huge Jufro. I mean, he could have been white, but his fro was so big. <laughs> and he was standing in the middle of, uh, I went to NYU, so it was Kimmel Center um, on the fourth floor where they had this really big theater. And he was just talking about like STDs. <laughs> You know, so there were all these big words like chlamydia and, and herpes and hemorrhaging right. and and I oh did not know a word of it, right? Because I came from Taiwan, I learned English in the textbooks, and by no means has anyone ever told me which HPV was. Oh and, wow! And you know, I was like what seventeen? Like I was just oh, wow. learning the SAT words. <laughs> I mean, that bank of words never was like herpes is a mama, and like when you have a blue drug, a chlamydia and like everyone was dying on the floor laughing and I had no right. fact, well, to me as a Taiwanese person who like barely even saw theater growing up in Taiwan was like why is the stage so bare god damn like Americans are so cheap and so shitty why is there just a microphone stand and the lighting is just crap and makes him, like, it's creating shadow on his face I can barely see his face and all they're doing is listening to him ramble into a fucking microphone right. and why is everyone liking this this is the worst form of art with the lowest amount of of um timbin, um of of uh whatever whatever that is in English um input right you don't you don't need anything you just need a microphone and sound system, and so I mean I didn't understand it and then and then jump back to me in that Thanksgiving apartment all by myself oh by myself I'm looking at Brian's thing and I'm like oh my god like this is the first time I finally understand stand-up Brian and I share a very similar background not because of anything uh, he is from Mexico I think his family 
I'm not sure if they immigrated or if they ran over. I have no idea. I knew that at some point Brian's family, when he was a kid, was homeless. Mm-hmm. And uh, he grew up in Texas. Um, yeah, and they came from Mexico. So he definitely comes from an immigrant background and an immigrant family. Right. And I get the sense that he probably learned English later in his life as well. Mm-hmm. So we definitely share that. And I think when you share that specific background where like English is definitely your second language and you, you, you came here as like a new country, it's definitely a shared experience where chlamydia might not be your opening <laughs> joke. Right. Uh, maybe that's the thing about immigrant families. Like chlamydia either isn't spoken about or is, isn't had, you know, it's like, it's like white people disease, you know, you know, immigrants <laughs> don't get chlamydia. That's a luxury. Right. Um, it's a luxury disease. Uh, yes. So, I understood everything he said and I found it to be funny for the very first time. For the very first time I understood stand up and I was like, Oh my God, this seems fun. So I contacted Brian. I was like, Hey, uh, how do you begin? How does this work? And, and yeah, that's, that's where it started. Great. That's a fun story. Um, and, um, what do you, what is it about comedy that you, I mean, cause obviously there's something about it that um, you really love doing. Um, what is the lure of it? Why, why do you do it? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I have the same perspective as a lot of my comedic friends. They find it to be very addictive. Like mm-hmm. they just have this desire to make people laugh, just nonstop laughter and laughter right. and laughter. I don't right. think, I don't think that's my case at all. Mm-hmm. I think I was deprived of attention as a child. Um, Mm. I think my family didn't like, didn't really regard me or let me speak. (laughs) (laughs) Truly, I don't think my family cared about my opinion, uh, let me speak or, or, you know, took me seriously, um, especially when I was growing up. So stand up is just kind of uh, not a depth, you know, like, an outlet? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say so because it's not like well, every after every stand-up show, I'm like, oh, oh, thank Jesus, someone let me talk. You know, it's not. <laughs> so like, oh God, like I was all this pent up of twenty years of like <laughs> unspoken words just like queefed out of my mouth. It definitely isn't that way, but uh, there is something to like. Thank you for agreeing and resonating with my perspective, and and laughter is a thing that does that because you laugh because you resonate and you resonate because of very fine details that mm. aren't always spoken about mm-hmm. or, or, or out there, you know, written in books or anything. It's a, sure. it's, it's always a small thing. It's like, Oh no, I, I get that. I get that. I get your point. I get your perspective. And now I get your perspective. And I'm laughing at it. Like to nod your head at it is one thing to laugh at it is because you get it and you see their perspective and, and you're, it's like the ditto, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think, I think for me, it's more that. Did you come from a large family and how many siblings no, you have? No, no, I only had one sister. Hmm. Um, my parents, uh, my parents work in education, mm-hmm. so they were very busy building their their career in education. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, I mean, they started, I don't know they started, you know they started like before the martial law so i'm mm-hmm. talking like when there mm-hmm. was no oh, wow. education related stuff you know wow. so um it was very hard you know private companies were new and so many restrictions and society was changing right. and and so i think they they just put all their energy in that and and, and obviously they grew up in the generations like well if children have food to eat they're they're okay sure Right. Because, right? yeah, because, you know, civil war. And I mean, we're we've been in Taiwan for 500 years, but like poverty yeah. was yeah. very real uh, mm-hmm. from both sides of my family. My dad's side was very, very mm-hmm. poor. So the mm-hmm. fact that you weren't starving is like, oh, my God, you are you should be so grateful. Attention by by any means was absolutely like what? Why would you what? Like I can't even believe you're 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 saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why do you need my attention? You got food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like I didn't even have a tenth of that. Wow. So you were born and grew up in Taiwan then? Um, I was born in Los Angeles okay. because uh, my mother was deathly afraid that the communists were going to come kill us. <laughs> Uh, she was deathly afraid, and she 
So she made sure you have a U.S. passport. <laughs> well, she. Well, what happened? I, I'm not sure how much of this was planned and how much of this was coincidence, but uh-huh. she had received a grant, a scholarship from the Taiwanese government to learn mm-hmm. about education, mm-hmm. um, and so they they sent her to UCLA. And when she okay. was there, she was like, "We need to." We need to have a kid because if that kid has a passport, then we can all escape here when the communist comes. Yeah, it was very much when the communist comes. So right, right, right. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I was born here, but then we finished. Uh, she got her thing, and then we went back to Taiwan because they started uh-huh. building. They started uh-huh. building their their company. Oh wow! And so okay. we left. We left uh, after I was born. Oh okay, wow. But, but we always had the back door, I guess. Yes. Like that in case it happened, the baby is yeah. American. Yeah. <laughs> so the only reason why they kept me around and didn't put me up for adoption. Um, so you yeah. are you the um, older or younger of the two? I'm the younger one. My sister okay. is much older. My sister oh. is much much older. Yeah. Oh okay, I see. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for comedians, especially people that do stand-up comedy, because you know it's so challenging, and you're really putting yourself out there, and you just don't know how the audience is going to react, and they're giving you constant feedback. You know that that's a yeah, job. It, it is really scary. Um, it never stops getting scary. Truly, uh-huh. I think you get used to the scariness of it, but the the scariness is just as scary every time. <laughs> Is that part of the leer? The no, I don't. No? I don't. I don't enjoy the scariness at uh, all. Uh-huh. No, yeah. don't like it. Who would you say are your comedic influences? Do you have any influences? No, because I didn't really grow up with stand up. I mean, I have peers that I listen to all the time. I have um, comedians I look up to that I listen to, but I think to call them an influence sort of requires that you've known them for a while. Um, yeah. I think my first stand-up show was my first show I've ever been to. Well, except for oh, the wow. one about chlamydia. That's interesting. The chlamydia huh. one was definitely my first <laughs> one, but I really wouldn't call them an influence. It was more yeah. of a, yeah. a, a sex education. <laughs> right. Um, so I heard you. I heard your interview on ICRT, and um, I think you mentioned that you worked with Jerry Seinfeld, right? Yeah, I did. Correct. Yes. Yeah, and what capacity was that? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, this was, I don't know which of Jerry's um, Netflix specials. So the, I guess the most recent one that came out okay. in 20, during the pandemic, he had one that came out that co- was called uh, 20 Hours to Kill, if mm. I'm not saying it wrong. I think it's called 20 mm-hmm. Hours to Kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I say it wrong, Jerry, I'm sorry. Not that I <laughs> think you're out listening to podcasts. I don't think you're a podcast listener. Um, but yeah, I he was shooting a prom- promotion um, with Netflix to promote the special. Mm-hmm. And I think it might have been like the opener in like the first couple of weeks or months or something. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so they would play that, and then they would go into the special, and then, and then they would play that, and then they would play the the short opening to the special, and it would go into a special. So, and then it was on like, you know, YouTube for so you were in the for opening? advertising. Um, I was in I was in the promo. Yeah. I was oh, in the promo, wa- wonderful! I'll have to check it. Yeah, out. yeah. I think it's not on Netflix anymore, but oh. I'm sure you could oh. find it on YouTube if you. Oh. Mm-hmm. If you type, I guess, 20 hours to kill, tr- I don't know, trailer? Trailer, maybe? Okay. Trailer or ad or promo. Okay. It'll, it'll I'll, I'll yeah. try to dig it up. <laughs> sure. So what's Jerry like? Um, He has like a really large command and presence. Mm-hmm. Um, He's very particular with what he likes, what he prefers. Mm-hmm. Like, he'll tell you if he doesn't like something, and he'll tell you if he likes something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's very down to the detail as well. So he'll be like, before this word, after this word, take this amount of time of a pause. Wow. Uh, I want you to take two steps and then say this and then do this at the same time. Wow. Um, just that now I need to separate this and this even more. And like truly I don't have a lot of lines, but like it was like a lot of notes on for very with a very small amount of time 
to execute them because there's not much time to do everything. Because mm-hmm. uh, I really have like what three sentences, and I'm like in the shot for like four or five seconds. But there was like a lot of yeah. So so I I guess you could say it's nerve wracking because you'll so get acting. Like, there's so there's so many things you have to do and do it all within like a split second. Um, And you only have like that one chance to do it all Mm -hmm. um, to not mess up. But uh, it's really interesting because like everywhere Jerry went, there was always sort of like an entourage of people around him. You know, he's never like a single entity. He's he's like a, I don't know, I don't even want to call it paraded. Um, <laughs> like, it's, it's all, I don't, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but if I were to guess, right. like, once his agent, once his assistant, mm-hmm. once his mm-hmm. manager, and once, once the director, once mm-hmm. the producer, and mm-hmm. wherever he went, these people walked with him. It didn't right. ever, yeah, it was mm-hmm. always a, a group of traveling hmm. people. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I actually, come to think of it, I, one time, because I live in New York City, and one time I was, sitting outdoors on the sidewalk of course way way before the pandemic and uh i saw we saw jerry on the sidewalk and uh we didn't like you know say anything really overt or anything to like get his attention but we're just like oh hey and he kind of you know low-key acknowledges and that was it (laughs) so it's kind of he wasn't with any entourage at that point well, I'm sure he's like harassed all the time sure yeah yeah sure can you imagine just like trying to (laughs) get some fucking eggs and people won't stop telling you things about their opinions about your stuff. Right. Just yeah. let me buy my eggs. Um, um, did you, did you learn anything from him in, in that experience? I think so. I think I did. Um, but not so much of like, what did he impart, but just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then an experience of working with someone so big and so highly regarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you come up with your material? Um, what's your process like? Um, Sometimes funny things happen to me. Sometimes I keep writing to find something funny. Mm-hmm. And then when that happens, I make revisions. And do you test out your material? Always. Everyone has to. There's yeah. not one person in the world right. who doesn't need to do that. How do you test it? Where do you test it? Mics, shows. I guess there's a lot of preparation. Like people think it, it looks like it's so in the moment, but th- there's definitely a lot of preparation and practice behind the scenes, right? Yes. You were in New York previously, and then you went back to Taiwan during the pandemic. What was it like going back during the pandemic? And how long were you there? I was there for almost two years. Mm -hmm. I left because um, I have a really good friend who is a school teacher. And he was telling me that all the schools around him had Corona cases. This is early March. All the schools around him had reported cases. Mm. And I said, well, and, and he, and he said, um, he said, even my sister, because his sister uh, um, works in the school system as wow. well. Even, even my sister, there was a kid in her mm-hmm. classroom, mm-hmm. Not, not one that she had to work with. She's a para. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was another kid in the classroom that had COVID. And I was like, oh, so is he staying at home? And he said, no. Oh, wow. He had to go to school because, well, well what, what do you think was going to happen? The kid was just going to stay home unsupervised. Oh, and I was like, well, no, somebody needs to do something because that kid can come to school and just spread yeah. it to everyone else. What? And then he got, he got mad. He got mad. He was like, yeah. you don't understand. These are blue collar families. Oh. They can't, they can't mm. just afford to have the kids not come mm. to school. Right. And he said, even in his own classroom, um, oh, wow. a bunch of the girls that he teach, um, are uh, so so there's a soccer coach for the region and he he coaches women's soccer girl soccer and all the all the girls from that entire district would be on his team and that coach had covid so i was like wait so wow. the coach had covid the girls were in contact <clears throat> with their coach breathing heavily while kicking a ball oh, yes an open space but also just like Wow. You know, who knew? Like, I don't know. Like, is the coach shouting at them with like spit flying all around? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dear. And then he was like, and then I was like, well, what about these girls? He's like, oh, they're obviously still coming to school. And I heard wow. that and I was like, this. And like, even at that point, we weren't getting anything from the government about what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What to do and, 
and how to protect, like, what is this? How does it spread? But thankfully, Mm -hmm. I had known a lot already from my paranoid mother. Right. She was already giving me a lot of information about Uh how she, even even if they were just, like, false theories from lying. Right. Like, all these, like, (laughs) what, what you must do. Like, take, if you have COVID, take a hot steaming shower. You know, like, really (laughs) dumb shit like that. Yeah. Or there, what else was there? She was like. I can't remember. There were all these like insane stuff. Like, remember how they were saying how like if you were in the sun, the COVID, COVID doesn't like the sun. Remember? And uh-huh. so like once the summer yeah. comes, COVID's uh-huh. gonna be gone. Right. Right. COVID doesn't like the sun. <laughs> <laughs> like, just this. These are so insane. And yeah, gargle I mean, with salt water. Of course, water. my mom. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> obviously, my mom was telling me these things, and I mean, I was like very doubtful of it, but. Some of them were true, right? Like the 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 spit stuff, like that's how it carries. Like that was true. I mean, obviously the fucking steam shower wasn't gonna do shit. <laughs> but I but I knew but I knew that it was bad, and I knew we had to shut down. And even if it didn't shut down, I yeah. had to f- uh, figure out precautions. So I just I decided to go home to just because my apartment. Um, I'm at my boyfriend's place, but my apartment is like 230 square feet. It's so small. There's right. no way, oh, wow. there's mm-hmm. no way someone could ever put themselves in there for two weeks. <laughs> it's just been like the most horrific quarantine. Right. I mean, it's literally <clears throat> maybe even smaller than a hotel room. And so I was like, well, you know what, if I'm gonna stay in a hotel room this size, I might as well fly home. And like tickets are like, you know, 650 round oh, trip wow. to Taiwan. Wow. I was like, oh my God, wow. this is nothing. Like, yeah, this is like, no one's flying. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go home and mm-hmm. then I'll come back. Mm-hmm. So I went home and then two years passed. This is really what happened. Do you have a podcast yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? Um, yeah. Um, anything you want to know about it? Yeah, what's the topic? How often it's on? Where people can hear it? It's is oh, it yeah. in Mandarin? It's in Mandarin. Um, it is on all the platforms: Spotify, Google Play, and um, Apple Podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think, <laughs> I think in the begin, uh, in the beginning, it was really just about all my years working in the industry in New York mm-hmm. City as mm-hmm. a comedian and as an actor and mm-hmm. all the things that no one tell you, no one tells yeah. you and the things that goes on behind that you really oh, can't say. Uh-huh. And I feel like I have a lot of liberty to say a lot of things sure. because it's a Mandarin. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I think oh. some people are always so curious about living a life abroad. It really isn't glamorous. I'm really not, I mean, you live in New York City. You know it's not glamorous. Like, a Taiwan life is so much more glamorous and comfortable. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I think it's helpful for other actors in Taiwan and for for other comedians mm-hmm. to know what things are like mm-hmm. and and how things are run and mm. the unspoken things that no one ever discusses. I'm I'm very outspoken and verbal about that. Right. So, how can people find the podcast? What's it called? Um, it's called It's Showtime Podcast in okay. Mandarin. It's Hao Shi Kai Chang. It's probably easier okay. to find it in Mandarin, Hao Shi Kai Chang. Oh, okay. Because It's Showtime is like so vague. Um, but if you do go on my Instagram under my uh, my website, there's a link tree. Not my website. Um, in the in the little link in the website. bio. Right, link in bio. Thank you. Um, there's a link. There's a link tree there okay. that once okay. you click in, it just leads you to everything. Oh, great. Yeah. So just in case some of my listeners might want to check that out. And now for a short break. Talking Taiwan is the longest running Taiwan related podcast, and we are dedicated to bringing you stories connected to Taiwan and Taiwan's global community. Help us to grow and continue producing engaging content by making a contribution on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash talking Taiwan. You can speak Taiwanese and Chinese fluently. My Taiwanese is like, I mean, I, I had a better use of it when my grandparents are, were around. Yeah, but sure. It's all passed for a while. Mm. I don't mm. ever need it. Right, right. So th- that's that's very interesting to me because I think, you know, I've, I've talked about this with my friends who are multilingual and 
you know, we talked about how the hardest part of um, really communicating in a different language is the humor, because there's really something about getting the mix of, you know, knowing people's like humor and then the colloquialisms and understanding the culture. Like, um, do you find that's different? Like when you do stand up in Mandarin or English? Oh, absolutely. There's like yeah. two different worlds yeah. of humor. How do you not, do that? Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think I was the most successful at it. Um, <laughs> I was still figuring my way out on that. Uh-huh. Um, so you prefer to do it in, in uh, Chinese or English? Uh, I would say when I was learn when I was home in Taiwan, I definitely understood the Mandarin side of humor more. And even my first, I would say 10 years moving up, not moving, but like attending school in America was still that case. But I, I think once I started doing stand up in New York, my taste had to change. Um, because certainly the audience I was playing to did not share, um, the taste that I had from my upbringing. So I had to, I had to adjust. I had to learn. I had to listen to what other people were doing, mm-hmm. and what just, just, just. I mean, I think that happens because my mind yeah. is just not the average American audience. So I had uh-huh. to, uh-huh. I had to know what they were thinking, and and I guess be more on track and, and be on the same frequency as the audience. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Huh. And so then moving back to Taiwan, I realized I had missed, I had missed the frequency that went on for 15 years while I was in America. So I missed that, that entire gap of, of a gradual change of culture and time and phenomenons. Yeah. Like, I mean, when I left Taiwan, things were so, so conservative, you know, like, uh, I don't think, like, I don't think, like, sex before marriage was, like, a widely spoken about topic. Um, certainly LGBTQ. Meaning things were more conservative in Taiwan. Yes, yes. And right. LGBTQ wasn't yeah. mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? I, I would just say, like, dating culture is definitely very new. And then when I left, there was, like, I mean, we were like still in the iPod ages of things, you know, <laughs> like the first iPod, yeah. the first gigantic but, thick I mean, iPod. How, right. So, so I mean, like with all that technology stuff, there's uh-huh. also like a whole new world of vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Of, so meaning they, when like, you... Like technology words, right? right. And, and, and that wasn't existent when, when I left. So, so all of these new things, this whole new uh-huh. category of thoughts right. and, and slang and lingo and and assumptions about things I missed. You had to learn all that, yeah. So when I came back to Taiwan just two years ago, it's like, yes. oh, this is this is how dating works now. These are the new terms for dating. These are the terms for LGBTQ. These are the things that people think about certain topics. Right. So you got lots more material then, right? <laughs> um. What well, in what sense? Well, because you're saying that Taiwan was so conservative before, and then you go back and, you know, now people have, you know, all sorts of probably dating apps. There was actually an article about, like, how there's a lot of interesting dating apps in Taiwan, and um, people are are more open about LGBTQ, talking about LGBTQ because of the um, legalization of gay marriage and things like that. So I'm imagining, like, being a comedian in Taiwan now, there's a lot more material just by you mean learning about all these things no because the society is more open about these things so you could joke about them and talk about them no oh i see um i don't i don't know if you've got more material just because society Mm -hmm. is more open or less okay i don't don't think so necessarily i mean (laughs) i mean in some ways a non-open society gives you more opportunities to make fun of things huh okay if i i guess if i were to like i think to a Taiwanese person, there's so many things to make fun of China just because it's like, uh, you yeah. know, the censorship of yeah. things. So like, yeah. really, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think like, I think that's a wealth of material because you're just kind of confused yeah, with what's yeah. happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you have fun with that? <laughs> um, 
I didn't talk so so much about it, and, and obviously talking about it in America doesn't really resonate with the audience because exactly. they just That's what don't I'm know. Right. Um, right. I think those kind of material could have worked in Taiwan, right. but certainly not outside of Hong Kong and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I right. it's aware. very specific, mm-hmm. for sure. I wouldn't even say in the other Asian countries. Like I remember, remember I went to Malaysia one year, and they just they just didn't get it. They didn't know they didn't know the relationship, the intricacies. Yeah, and they didn't understand why Taiwan didn't like China. <laughs> Like what's wow. the problem? Y'all are saying. Wow. Oh wow. Oh wow. So I did, mean, wait, did you try that the... material over there? I did, I did. Yeah. It didn't resonate yeah. well. It didn't I mean it might get like yeah. a chuckle, but it yeah. certainly wasn't like a hard laugh. Yeah. Like they yeah. might viscer they might like verb uh um, um cerebrally understand it because they sure. know something's up yeah. between the two places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't hit them to the core because yeah. it doesn't resonate. Right. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And that was surprising. It was like, oh, but there's like so many Chinese people in Malaysia. I thought they would have a perspective, but not so much. I guess not that perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe, right? But it's just, it didn't, it wasn't something that was like on their radar. Like they're aware of it. They just don't have And they don't, they probably don't have as antagonistic a relationship with China. So they just don't get it. Well, they have an antagonistic relationship with their government. So that feels Mm -hmm. like a much bigger problem than mm. anything outside mm. of it mm. yeah yeah um have you seen the i well I'm, you probably have because everybody's talking about it, but have you seen uh the recent segment by john oliver on his hbo show you know what's last hilarious week i yeah. only watched it because ken sent it to me <laughs> oh really <laughs> okay what'd you think of it what did I think of it? Uh, I thought it was pretty thorough. I learned a few things myself. I oh, didn't wow. Know. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I forget which ones are the... Oh, the mascot thing. I certainly did not know, but uh-huh. it doesn't surprise me. Uh-huh. But I, had, I had no idea that we had just storing some useless mascots lying everywhere. Yeah, I know. It's pretty strange. I can't remember what else that was new to me. I would have to rewatch it. It's been a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, it's terrible to say that all my news of Taiwan usually comes from Ken and Kylie. A note from my listeners. The Ken and Carly that Esther is referring to are the hosts of the Bilingual News Podcast, a very popular podcast in Taiwan that Esther has appeared on. Even... Um, you know about uh, the Celtics player Inez, I'm blanking on his last name, Cantor, Cantor. So Inez Cantor is a Turkish uh, a b- a basketball player. Okay. Uh, I think he was on the Knicks, really like 2018-ish, and he's okay. on the Celtics. And his, he, I don't know if it was like his tweet, but he went, he went crazy on the Taiwanese news because he had these shoes that wrote no Beijing 2022. Oh. And so that, those are the shoes that he played. So he, yeah. he had them. I don't know if he custom designed it or he, I, I don't think he drew it with a Sharpie. Otherwise he would be a really <laughs> great artist because that was beautifully made. And then, and right. then from the shoelaces in the side, there's just uh-huh. blood like trickling oh. down. So this Inez Cantor situation kind of like went everywhere in Taiwan. Yeah. Huh. But, like, in America, like, no one's talking about it. Like, you don't see it yeah. on your social media. I don't see it yeah. on my social media. Right. That's saying something right. that why are neither of the two of us who are of Taiwanese descent should definitely yeah. be seeing this, but it's not anywhere here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they were telling me about this, and I was like, right. oh, wow. Like, not one Asian person I know in America knows about this going on. <laughs> but it's, like, it's trending insanely over there. Huh. Yeah, 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 I can see how this would be trending in Taiwan. Speaking of Inez Cantor, in an upcoming episode of Talking Taiwan, we'll be discussing how outspoken he's been in support of Taiwan and about boycotting the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. So then I'm curious, like, um, where do you see yourself going or where do you want to go with the acting or stand-up? Like, what's, is there an end goal? Like, would you like to have mm. a sitcom? Do you want to be known as a comedic actress? Um, would would you like to be on SNL? I mean, it's so funny because I have a, I have a friend, a really close friend of mine that got on SNL. Oh, nice! Um, as a as a writer, okay. uh, this season, nice. And it's so insane because I still remember when she just started comedy. Uh huh. Um, I think a lot of 
I'm a bit of a nomad that way. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I mean, I really started stand up as a hobby. Right. And in some ways, right now, uh, I am still growing, but I don't think I ever gave myself like a really hardcore goal. Mm, okay. Like, by this point, I must do this. By this point, I must yeah, do this. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't think that's a good thing either. Yeah. But I will say yeah. my circumstances sort of forced me to do that because certainly when I went home to Taiwan, it was like, now headline a show. So I was like, okay, oh, I guess I have to put together everything I've ever written uh-huh. in my entire life. Yeah. And put it together. And it's like, do 40 wow. minutes. Like, oh, wow, now I have to do 40 minutes rather than the regular sets I did in New York City. Um, and the longevity of the, just, just the, the stamina of doing that. Yeah. So I think going back to Taiwan was so fortunate you did all because that. It, it forced me. Yeah, it forced me to like, oh, now I had to perform for AIT. It's like, oh, my God. Like, now I have uh-huh. to perform, perform for AIT. And it feels like a really <laughs> big deal. And uh-huh. um uh, now people are coming to see you. Which is like, oh my god, it was. I, mean, awesome. I remember the first time. I remember the first time someone took a picture in the audience. I was just uh-huh. so thrown. Like, oh my god, <laughs> like, it's never happened in New York City. Yeah. And uh, the first time someone's like, can I take a picture with you? It was so weird. Oh wow. Um, and the first time uh, being recognized on the street. Nice. Like, oh my god, I can't just swear and cuss and pick my nose <laughs> and scratch my crotch whenever I want to. <laughs> Which is like a no-brainer back in the day. It's like I pick my nose all the time. Like I, <laughs> like I have allergies in time all the time. I was like sniffly, whatever. Like nobody cares. <laughs> but now it's like I remember last year this time I went to the gay parade. Yeah. And and like I was recognized multiple times. Really? Like, uh, yeah. And I was just nice. so shocked. Uh-huh. Um. So I think going home definitely pushed me to be better mm-hmm. uh, and to grow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and and now coming back to New York, it's like different stuff. I'm mm-hmm. because of something, a project I was involved with. Uh, I guess early fall mm-hmm. or summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm now auditioning much much more, probably two to three times more okay. than I have. So I think. Yeah, I think just things kind of just push me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it sounds yeah. like things are going well in yeah. Taiwan. So why why are you in New York now? Or certain projects brought you back um, here? Or yeah, yeah. It was that particular project that brought mm-hmm. brought me back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and and then and then I, I was when I was in Taiwan, I was also working across ocean hours, which is horrific. Like oh gee, yeah. I would work until like two to three in the morning oh Taiwan time right, and then like right. obviously you're like staring at your screen so that yeah. you can't sleep yeah. until yeah. the birds chirp yeah. out of your yeah. window yeah. Okay. and then at like seven Taiwan time I would wake up to do a zoom show because oh that's PST that's that's yep. PST and oh, EST my I do a zoom show and I want to like throw up oh my God. <laughs> doing that's my intense. jokes as as the bright sun the 7 a.m sun is shooting right into my pupils <laughs> And then I'd sleep a little bit until like two and then I'd start it all again. And it's, uh, I was really sick. Like <laughs> at one point, at one point they found a tumor in my stomach. Like I oh, had, no, I had really? such a That's severe, terrible. yeah. Cause I was like <gasps> eating at the wrong time oh, and always randomly. And I was like, well, tonight I'm going to oh, sleep early. Gee. So I was like, I'm yeah. going to eat earlier. I'm going to go to bed earlier. And it yeah. never happens. So then. Well, yeah. Cause you got to deal with yeah, all those times. I was, I was really, really sick. I was really, really sick from oh, no. working so irregularly and on both oh, ends of things. Um, so I am grateful that I'm mostly working when there's when not yeah. not that I, I mean I obviously work a lot in the night. But hey, my latest bedtime is two two in the morning, and and to me that's considered <laughs> healthy. I think being in New York is healthier for me if I'm working in both time oh, zones. I'm still working a little bit in Taiwan, but there. Mm-hmm. I would say Taiwan is much more understanding of New York time, and New York isn't very oh. understanding of the rest of the world. So they kind of don't give everything a shit. Everything revolves around New York. <laughs> everything revolves around America. So 
I don't give a fuck what time zone it is on your yeah. end. I don't yeah. have to be understanding because I'm the center <laughs> of the world. But but working with Taiwan, they are very understanding and they work around and, and they're they're considerate of my rest and whatnot. Which is like Americans don't give, really give a shit, you know. Uh, yeah. But Taiwanese people are like, oh, yeah. are you eating? Are you well? Oh. Like, are you taking care of yourself? You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the yeah, very, yeah, very yeah, Taiwanese yeah, hospitality yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. I'm. I'm. I think being here is helpful with, with that, and oh, and I, and working the, to the two places. New York is is the easier place to yeah. do all that. Okay. Although at home I didn't have to do laundry and I never had to do dishes. <laughs> right. So that's always preferred. This is always <laughs> preferred. And here I have to be the cleaning maid, a full time cleaning maid <laughs> to everybody. So that is a trade off. Oh, everybody. But, Who's everybody? <laughs> uh, my cat, my boyfriend, um, anyone who stays over, uh, people around me who are untidy. I can't, I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah. If people are in New York, like, um, are you doing any shows in New York? Like, can they see you perform at all? Yeah. Yeah. I have uh, uh, maybe like three shows in November, three to four shows in November. Oh, nice. And I have a few coming up in December as well. Um I know I'm not doing stand-up as much as I was in Taiwan. That's because of the work that is mm-hmm. on my workload right mm-hmm. now. Right. Um, that specific project I cannot talk about is pretty overwhelming. <laughs> sure. uh, it's very overwhelming, honestly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A lot of responsibilities put on me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am taking a slight stand. Like when I was in Taiwan, I was like on stage at least three times a week. And oh wow. Um. And certainly that is not the case in New York. Um, Do you miss but, that? Um, not necessarily. I think because I find so much joy doing this really fulfilling project that I love. Right. Um, and I have so much, I've been given so much trust that I also give, I mean, when someone doesn't micromanage you, you sort of put the yeah. pressure on yourself. So you micromanage yourself. <laughs> Does that make any sense? <laughs> right. So sure. I feel I'm, I'm a very tough boss on myself. So oh, I feel the yeah. micromanagement that I've laid upon myself. Um, <laughs> like I was, I, like I told, I told my boss in this job, I was like, I don't care what happens. It will not leave my hand without it being successful. Like mm. I, I cannot, I just, I can't tolerate mm. that. I, I did not make it genius. Yeah. Um, before it leaves my pocket. Yeah. Um, but it is a job that requires a lot of creativity. So I would say a lot of my creative juices are there. Yes. Unfortunately, although I would love to reserve some in my stand-up. Yeah. Yeah. But sort of like the, the, the dam and the well of it all Mm -hmm. is, is Mm -hmm. quite committed to that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I can see why you're you're so fulfilled because it sounds like it's pretty quite stimulating. Yeah. Uh, I guess so. I mean, it's stimulating the stress. I <laughs> I don't I don't think I've ever been this anxious as well. Like learning mm. about mm. Uh, anxiety management. Oh dear. Yeah, wow. yeah, for sure, mm. for sure. Um, mm. New new things to learn, like how to how to manage another level of of high stress. stress how do you oh boy. how do you how do you yeah um deal with it how do you how do you live with it and how, how, do, how do you do how do you do that do you meditate oh my like God, have you found I don't any know. strategies <laughs> um so every like i'll pent up bake or a pent up cook so oh I'll, okay like yesterday was an insane day like my work day started at eight fifty. And wow. my workday ended at midnight. Oh, and I'm wow. literally thinking like, I'm wow. just like running from one thing to another oh, wow. to the point that I barely ate. Oh my goodness. And Esther, you don't want the same thing to happen as before with the tumor <laughs> in your stomach. <laughs> I know, but that was that day. So then, so then this day, today, when I had like two hours of spare time, I would just like cook. And, oh. and I'm much more aware of my anxiety to the mm-hmm. point of like, oh, like, like I can, I can journal, I can do the artist yes. way, the morning yes, pages yes, to yes. be like, well, what's, right. what, what's making me so stressed and, yeah. and, and how is the outcome going to be like? And, yeah. and if this problem was resolved, then what? Yeah. Um, uh, you know, if you were to ask me before the pandemic, mm-hmm. I would have 
I would have told you that I didn't understand why stress is a bad thing or why anxiety is a bad thing. Sure. And I think that very much comes from like this, like, uh, I don't know how you say this in English, but in Mandarin we call shaluzhishen, you know, which is like the the little form, the exchange little student. exchange student abroad. It's like, oh, you were given the privilege, and you were you you had this. Your your parents saved enough money for you mm-hmm. to have this experience, mm-hmm. so that when you do this experience, you cannot waste it. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. I always get the sense of like, well, anxiety is good because it's the caffeine that I need to 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 take hold of this opportunity that mm. no one else gets. That right. I should make good use of it. Yeah. And and so I always felt like that was a way that that would kept me going. Mm-hmm. And then post pandemic and going through all these health issues, I was like, actually, now I see why doctors always say stress is bad. Yeah. Um, but before that, I always kept a blind eye to it. Always, wow. I was like, ah stress management is for the weak, you know, um, mm, right. People who meditate are weak and, yeah. and, um, hmm. yeah, now well, stress I, is kind of nebulous, right? Like maybe there's some things that are stressful that we don't realize because it piles up or whatever. But, for sure. Um, for yeah. sure. There's this one forum yeah. that's essentially like Reddit oh, and I'm wow. talking like anyone can comment uh-huh. and anyone can say anything. Yeah. How and does that make you feel saying that? Me, oh my what God. They I was what do they so say about distraught. you? They're like, oh, is she fuckable? Oh, <gasps> they like, um, you know, women yeah. on a forum. Like, oh, oh it was other uh, women. Holy crap! Very no, 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 no. It what? was. No? It wasn't. I don't believe it was other women. I mean, oh. I would believe if she said it's fuckable. Uh, I, I'm, oh yeah, I'm, right. I'm well, assuming, that's not, unless they're gay. <laughs> uh, yeah, unless yeah. they're gay. Uh, <laughs> but I believe. Um, yeah. I don't remember which forum, but you can, if you, I think if you type my name, yeah. I believe, you'll, if, and if you go on like the second page, I don't think it's on the first page huh. of, of like a Google search. Yeah. But I think the first time I found it, I was definitely like, my jaw dropped. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was like, that was the point I think that I was like, from this point on, I will never post a picture of my mother. <gasps> I will never... What? I will never post a picture of my family. But I think like, this is like so they given. They picked on you your know? family? Yeah, for sure they oh, did. No, they found out that's terrible. they found out who my parents were. Oh no. And it was this really strange thing cuz like I mean talk about cultural uh gaps. Mm-hmm. Like you think people care who Amy Schumer's mom is? You think people are like you know, Mrs. Schumer is, you know, she should be so ashamed of what her daughter talks. You know, like, like. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. You think David Chappelle's mom? Well, maybe. Maybe yeah. David Chappelle's mom is getting attacked, <laughs> you know, because this incident is so big. But uh-huh. do you think Ronnie Chang's mother yeah. in yeah. Asia yeah. Yeah. is is getting comments about... <laughs> about her as a person because of what her son says in his Netflix uh-huh. special. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but only in Taiwan. I mean, maybe, maybe yeah. in China as well, yeah. that, that your, that the things you say affects the people who are related to you. I mean, but didn't even think get about back like to your mom or your family, did it? <laughs> I hope not. Jesus. Yeah. But like, can you imagine like Mrs. Bundy? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Bundy, how oh did you God. raise your children to, <laughs> to be the most handsome uh, and gruesome <laughs> killer? Uh, but it, it's so insane that me, just as an insignificant <sighs> comedy person, well, no, you got recognized could, on the, you know, in Taiwan, like but it's apparently, so, but you got some traction so, there. It's so weird, like. Yeah. Why should anything I think as an adult have anything to do with people who are related by blood? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd be think it's hilarious that that my dark sense of humor comes from my mother because my mother uh-huh. is not humorous in any single fucking way. <laughs> I would say in the beginning of my career, of my first five years working as an actor, and there were always so many things that were so hard like people take advantage of you Mm. people things being shady like so many so many frustrating and exhausting and unfair things unjust things obviously which if you want to know about listen to my podcast if you speak chinese then you'll hear 
so many details of the things that should not have gone wrong mm-hmm. and gone wrong or the things that are just like unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of these things I told my mother, some of these things I told her when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I always heard was, and thus I told you, you should not be doing this occupation. <laughs> I told you, you should have been a teacher. Oh, I told you, you know, people who work in the entertainment industry are not good people. Mm. They're shady people. They have, they're people with bad intentions mm. because, you know, uh, entertainment in Taiwan back in the days was very much heavily involved in yeah. corruption right. and the mobs sure. and politics mm-hmm. and in prostitution to a certain extent. Um, don't quote me on that. Someone's going to kill me. <laughs> but it's certainly, I guess, to their impression, it was yes. involved in prostitution. Yes. I don't believe it was really prostitution. Yeah. I think it was more politics and the mobs. Yeah. Um, okay. But to them, that's all it was. And 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 now that I'm a grown up, I'm like, actually, you know what? There are, there are darker things in finance that you don't want to know about. <laughs> sure. Like, yeah. yeah, Hollywood is shady, but have you seen the White House? Have you seen Washington, yep. D.C.? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure the shit that goes on there is like mm-hmm. 10 times worse. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at a certain point, I just realized I just wasn't going to tell them because I, I don't want to be scolded every time <laughs> I'm trying to get some kind of support. Right. So I, I think I just stopped. Yeah. Um, and then from that point on, yeah, I think from that point on, it just, they just stop. I think they got tired of of nagging me about it themselves. So you wore also, them down. I, mean, I also didn't, I also wasn't home for them to give them that opportunity, sure. right? Like yeah, if, I, if I didn't, if I didn't call them uh-huh. to ask for support, they sort of didn't have that window of oppor- uh-huh. opportunity to uh-huh. hold me back. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the only opportunity they would have had was this pandemic. And honestly, at that point, I've been doing this for 10 years. It's like, is it worth scolding? I mean, literally I went, I went to the fortune teller. Uh-huh. And she was like, she was like, ah, oh, you just meaning like, uh, yeah. if, when when you choose to do this career, of course, of course, you're gonna find a tumor in your stomach. Of course, oh, you're gonna gee. be extra. No, well, not. Okay. Well, she's meaning like, of course, you're gonna feel it's so exhausted. You're gonna be emotionally, spiritually. Um, and I was getting like problems with my nervous system as well oh, because no. I was so overworked. And she was oh, like, well, of no. course, this is going to happen to you because you, the, what you do requires so much of you de- requires so much of your devotion. She's like, of course, it's going to happen. So hmm. I casually, I casually asked her. I was like, yeah. so should I maybe like do another job? She was like, I don't know. Mean like, well, you've already done this for ten years. Yeah. Like, girl, it's too late. Like, the fortune teller was like, girl, it's too late. <laughs> oh, wow. You can't turn back now. Well, she's like, girl, you've been doing this for 10 years. What oh. do you want to do now? Engineering? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, have you thought about point? that? Um, no, but I think I was just bringing it up. It's like, well, yeah, why yeah. not? I'm, I'm yeah. at the fortune teller. Like, ask yeah. away. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. ask whatever you want to ask. Not because it's serious. <laughs> just in case I change my career, I'm going to become a billionaire. Like, okay, well, I'll consider it. Like, or, or if I change a career, I'd be like, I don't know, the next president or, you know, the next Elon Musk. I'll listen. But she was, but, but her answer was definitely like, no, it's too late to change a career. I was like, okay, well, I mean, I, I wasn't really going to change it, but good to know. It's not like oh, I have options I, I guess, at this but point. you haven't ever thought for yourself, like, you know, maybe you're, I'm tired of this or there's something else, or, you know. Yeah, interesting. Um. Well, I would say the one turning point was that Thanksgiving and yeah. that turning point didn't happen. I, I stayed, uh-huh. but that was, that was the turning point where I was like, I'm, I'm exhausted and I've tried everything. So that's one of them. Um, I might've thought of another one while I was home in Taiwan, just because my family does work in education right? and uh, there is a lot of work for me to sure. do and they mm-hmm. are getting old and my sister's like helping them right now and sort of like mm-hmm. taking over, mm-hmm. but certainly it's not a one person job. It's like a, yeah. it's, a it's a big job. Yeah. It's a big job yeah. that requires, a, even if we had five kids, um, it might not uh-huh. happen enough help. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I did consider it a little bit, not much. Um, and uh, may, maybe in a few years I might think about it again. Yeah. Yeah. Never know. <laughs> well, I mean, considering that this job that I can't talk about is yeah. is so behind the scenes that yeah. that no one knows I'm involved. Wow. That that in some ways it's a new job because mm-hmm. because I'm not in front of the screen. Yeah. The the, the way I usually am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, hey, if you can support yourself with what so you're doing, like so that's kind of considered a bit of a career change with this new project, sure, I, I guess. Sure. Because yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm not. Well, the content I, I am in fully engrossed in it, but the but the the face of it is right. certainly not me. Yeah. 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 So so that's considered a bit of a twist yeah, to a career definitely. change. It's his first step. Oh, huh. interesting. So curious. Very mysterious. Oh yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And yeah, I wish I could. I wish I could let people know in an ideal world. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what would you say? Any advice or things you have to say for someone who wants to try stand up or being a comedian? I usually tell people don't try it. Um, <laughs> when when I go on podcasts, that's what people tell me. Uh, that's when people ask me this question. I say don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Why? always this there, I mean there's always this gap of like you finding something fun as a hobby and when a hobby turns into a job it's mm-hmm. literally a J-O-B mm-hmm. it is no longer a hobby <laughs> Yeah. Any anyone anyone who works in a quote unquote creative business truly yeah. understands that yeah. but anyone yeah. who's yeah. getting into it truly does not yeah. understand that Right. Um, yeah sure feel free to try it but when it does become a J-O-B just know that 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 is that it is a job and it, it will become one um, mm. and it's going to be different from that point on. Right. Um, advice to getting into stand-up comedy. God, I don't know. I mean, some some days I wish I never discovered it. Some days I'm like, thank God I have it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just watching um, Gary Goldman's The Great Depression uh, uh-huh. uh, when I was baking this afternoon. Yeah. And. It's so interesting because I feel like in some ways comedy helped Gary find himself or finding himself mm. was a gift mm. for his comedy. So it's hard for me to say, you know, your advice because he was so successful in it, right? He had he had his his really good special and then he he was so depressed and so sick. Oh that he couldn't get out of bed. He was oh, so dear. severely mm-hmm. mentally ill and so mm-hmm. depressed. Mm-hmm. And then the healing of it was the most incredible material, the the how he dealt with his depression and, and this illness and where he thinks it's come from was like the best material for his stand-up. Mm-hmm. So I, I really don't know what to say to people about this. I have so many complex feelings about it. Sure. So can you mm-hmm. relate to that? Like the what you said about how maybe comedy uh, makes you discover right. yourself more or um, whatever? I think certainly doing the job makes you think a lot about what you think, mm. which isn't, yeah. you know, um, I, I would guess that if you were any occupation, your job isn't to be like, well, what's my thoughts about that? Well, what's my perspective on that? I'm, I'm not saying that if you had another job, you didn't have to do it, but sort of yeah. like your job requirement mm-hmm. that is not in the description or a requirement mm-hmm. to, to do that mm-hmm. um, when you're on the clock. Um, but as a stand-up, yeah. you must keep asking yourself, even right. when you don't want to know. Hmm. Like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't want to know what I think about chocolate um <laughs> or, or or some days i'm like i'm tired i don't want to know what i think about abortion i don't want to i don't want to know the gritty the nitty gritty details of all the perspectives i must feel about abortion hmm. but sometimes i feel like i have to right or, or sometimes i feel something like like i i felt a lot about gun laws mm-hmm. um especially when the atlantic shootings happened yeah um, and and it was such a jarring experience because yeah. everyone I knew was mourning and I was yeah. isolated in Taiwan mm. where nobody oh, that's knew tough. fuck yeah. about it. You know, yeah. it was so rough. rough. And it yeah. was it was like I was living in this world where people didn't understand why other people had guns. Yeah. You know? It's like Taiwanese people are like, mm-hmm. Zimakan and Zimahui. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. why would anyone do that? It it yeah. felt like it felt like a Transformer movie. Wow. There's such a big level of removal because it made no sense. Yeah. Like, why would you randomly yeah. shoot people you had you had no connections with? Um, why why could you buy a gun in Walmart? Why why is that? Why is the government allowing this to happen? Yeah. So so Taiwanese like 
racism. Sometimes people don't like they they understand it, but they don't understand yeah, it. Yeah. So it's a very weird experience where you're like mourning completely by yourself, and mm-hmm. no one around you mm-hmm. was feeling your sorrow. And and like I, I feel passionate about this that this is insane, but but it was also like not fun to keep asking myself what exactly I felt about gun laws always. Mm-hmm. There are yeah. some things that are that are much easier for me to spew out, like yeah. politics, especially yeah. cross street yeah. politics. I think right. we're all very verbal about it without yeah. having to dig much. Mm-hmm. But some things required me to like really think hard. Um, and I don't know if I always want to think hard about sure. everything. Yeah. That that I'm passionate about. Sometimes I just I just want to be angry. I just want to be angry about it, yeah. and I don't want to have yeah. to give an explanation. Yeah. But yeah. as a comedian, you have to be like, no, but specifically what and why, and then and then you have to make comparisons. You have to you have to write out. You have to be very precise with the exact thing you think. So you think you need to do material on this because it's current event or something that's no no i i think i need to do material on it because i felt something about it okay because i had and then you have to express what it is that you feel and that's not always so easy just be i couldn't just be angry about it i couldn't like for lack of better term i couldn't like potato couch it i couldn't potato couch how i felt and just like with the the chips um (laughs) on the couch i had to work on the feelings and the thoughts, and I had to, I had to swim into the thoughts. Hmm. So did to, like, you do some material related to the Atlanta shootings? I did, I did. Here's a clip of the comedy bit that Esther did about the Atlanta spa shootings. There's been like a shooting every other day, and it's so frustrating to me. It really, really pisses me off because it absolutely stole the thunder of the Asian spa shootings. Okay, we need that thunder. We need that thunder to prove it is a hate crime. It's a hate crime, okay? Like, the dude didn't go to shoot, like, a Mormon church. All right, or a Whole Foods or a ski resort. All right, he shot two different Asian spas. Okay, not a Russian one, not a Turkish one, not a Swedish one. You know why they don't shoot up Russian spas? Because the Russians shoot right back at you. That was the only place it did well. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I only got to do it like where was that once? That that wasn't that was in Taipei. That's that oh, was interesting. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for um, taking time out, you know, to talk to me today. Um, of course. Where can people uh, learn more about you and uh, your work? I guess my social media, um, the Esther Chen underscore Esther spelled with TH. If you're a Mandarin speaker, um, again, my podcast is Haoshi Kaitang. I probably say more things on it than I should ever, ever say. Um, <laughs> I guess I have the level of quote unquote security because it's in Mandarin, so um, English speakers can't know what I'm saying but I guess if one day I really make it big enough that that whole podcast is definitely getting deleted there's (laughs) too much there's too much that shouldn't be said that's on there um (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. okay great um also the Facebook fan page same the estrogen Mm -hmm. well thank you so much for being on the podcast of course of course thanks for having me I've been speaking with Esther Chen, a Taiwanese-American actress and comedian. If you enjoyed this episode, go on over to Audible or Apple Podcasts and leave us a review there. It helps others to discover Talking Taiwan. Tell a friend about us or subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. To learn more about any of the items mentioned in this episode, visit our website, TalkingTaiwan.com. There will list any related links. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.